1: Let's open the Word of God together again to the book of Daniel, if you will, and I want you to find chapter 1, if you would do so as we begin this particular meeting, Daniel chapter number 1, a famous verse, very familiar. You know the problem with familiar texts? They are familiar, (laughs) and they're so familiar that sometimes we miss it, and we say, I think I know that already. We skim right over it. We're beginning here. Look at Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8. We get a little snapshot, if you will, of Daniel as a very young man, perhaps 17, 18 years of age. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And I love this little expression, he purposed In his heart, let let me just say to you, if you follow Christ, it will never be on accident. It must be on purpose. It's intentional. It's volitional. You must say, by the grace of Almighty God, this is what I intend to do. Now, this is a wonderful truth. It's a wonderful verse, but I want to show you something even greater. You see, through the years, I have seen lots of people start well, even stay well for a period of time, and not finish well. How many of you know somebody that professed faith in Christ and started following the Lord and doing what they ought to do, and somewhere along the way, they either went back or they turned aside, but they didn't press on? How many of you know somebody like that? And I want to just testify for a moment tonight and say, by the grace of God, would you pray for me? By the grace of God, I don't want that to be my story. Now, this morning, we read God's divine epitaph, mini, mini, tickle you farson. Remember that epitaph God penned over the life of Belshazzar. Well, tonight we get a very different epitaph. This is God's estimation of Daniel. And I'll remind you that in the end, the only thing that matters is not what we think of us or what somebody else says about us, but what is the Lord going to say when we stand before him someday? This is God's word concerning Daniel. Daniel 1, verse 8, he's purposing in his heart. Now come over with me to chapter number 6, would you please? Because I want you to see something beautiful. In Daniel chapter 6, in verse number 1, we find not a young Daniel, but an old Daniel. I don't know where you are. Let's just take a survey. How many of you think you're still on the young side? Would you raise your hand, please? Good. Wonderful. That's all in your head, you know. And it's good. I, I still think of myself as a young preacher. Somebody introduced me the other night as a young minister, and I said, I like that. Keep that up as long as you can. How many of you think you're on the other side? I'm not even going to give it a name. Would you raise your hand, please? Yeah, and how many of you think you're somewhere in the middle? Raise both hands at me, would you please? Yeah, None of us really know where we are in this, do we? And You don't know where you are on the journey, when it's going to finish. But when you go from Daniel chapter 1 to Daniel chapter 6... You make quite a, quite a progression because in Daniel 1, he's 17, 18 years of age. When you come to Daniel chapter 6, most Bible teachers believe that he's somewhere around 80 years of age. So, I mean, a lot has transpired in this short amount of time. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole realm, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first. The princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage." Then this Daniel was preferred above the prince, presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king fought to set him over the whole realm. Look at verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault. Pause and look at me just for a second. Wouldn't it be glorious? Wouldn't it be glorious? If somebody could look at my life, And not immediately find something to find fault in. Does this mean that Daniel was a perfect man, that he was was sinless, that he never did anything wrong? No, there's no such thing as a perfect man. Greatest Christian that ever lived, the Apostle Paul said, In me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There's none righteous, no, not one, the Lord declares. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many sinners are among us tonight? Would you raise your hand? Sure, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. He's not a perfect man. And this is not a perfect church. My grandpa used to say, if you find a perfect church, don't go there. You'll mess it up. He was right about that. So no perfect people. And yet when they looked at his life... They could find an occasion nor fault in him. In other words, it meant that though he was a sinful man, his life was so under God's control that it wasn't the sin that most characterized his life. It was God's nature in him that characterized his life. And I don't know about you, but when others look at my life, I would love for them to see more of Jesus than of Adam living inside of me. I'd like them to see more of the new man than the old man. That was the occasion with Daniel. They could find no fault in him. But now watch, read on, look at verse 4, for as much as, and I want you to read the next three words out loud with me, would you please, verse number 4, ready, he was faithful. Read it again aloud, would you please, he was faithful. Read it like you mean it, ready, he was faithful. Lift your head and look at me, what does it say? He was faithful. I'm brainwashing you, that's what I'm doing. It's a good brainwashing, it's the washing of water by the word, if you remember nothing else tonight, I want you to remember one thing about Daniel. What does God say about Daniel? He was what, church? He was faithful. Turn to your neighbor and tell them. Ready? On the count of three, these three words. One, two, three. He was faithful. No, 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 no. I want you to preach it to them with enthusiasm, all right? Uh, you, you, did, you did all right. On a scale of one to ten, you're about a three. Let's get to it an eight or nine, all right? Get your preaching finger out and point at that center next to you. It'll help you say it with more enthusiasm. Ready? One, two, three. He was faithful. You know, I saw the pastor. He's a wise man. He did not point at his wife. He pointed across the aisle at somebody else. That is a wise man right there. What does Scripture say of Daniel? What is is God's eternal epitaph? What is the lasting lesson from God? Ready? He was faithful. I'm speaking tonight on this subject, the thing God blesses most. There are many things that the Lord chooses to bless. Aren't you glad God chooses to bless us? It's amazing, really, that God would bless sinners, that we would have the blessing of the Lord. But what is it, church, what is it that God blesses most? Would you like God's blessing on your life? Let's vote on it. How many of you like God's blessing on your life? Oh, me too, I want it. More than anything on earth. More than I want anything I truly want the hand of God upon my life. More than anything, I need the Lord. How many of you want God's blessing on your family? Let's, let's vote on family for just say. oh, I do too. I talked to my family just a little while ago, and I, I spent some time this afternoon praying for my family members by name. And praying God would keep them and protect them because I know the wicked one. I hate the devil. Don't you hate the devil? And I know the devil is always looking for some entry point to, to trip things up. And so I'm praying a hedge of protection around my family and I'm praying God's blessing on my family. Oh, I want the Lord's blessing on my marriage. I want God's blessing on our children. I want God's blessing on the future of our, our family for generations to come. I long for that. How many of you want God's blessing on your church? Do you want God's blessing on this church? Would you like to see the greatest days of this church be the days that lie ahead? Wouldn't that be great if the most fruitful, wonderful season this church has ever known would be the season from this day until the day we meet Jesus face to face? Somebody says, you believe that's possible? Absolutely I do. Look, I believe that God can bless even in Babylon. And friend, if God can bless in Babylon, He can bless anywhere. The Lord is with you. He promised He would never leave you and never forsake you. He desires to bless and work. The question is not, do we want the blessing? The question is not, can God bless? The question is, will we get in the place where the Lord can bless? May I say it this way? It may not be good English, but it's a a good principle. It's not a question of the blessing. It's a question of getting blessable in the place where, where the Lord can do in our lives what he desires to do. See, here's what everybody wants. Everybody look at chapter 6 with me again for just a second. Everybody wants to live in the first three verses. That's right. Everybody wants to be first. That's what Daniel was in verse 2. He was first. In verse 3, he was preferred. Somebody said, I'd like that. I'd like that kind of blessing on my life. Here's the problem with most believers today. Everybody wants the product and nobody wants the process. Do you know why he was first? He was first because he was faithful. Do you know why he was preferred among men? He was preferred among men because he was where he needed to be with God. And I'm going to tell you something. When you are faithful before God, God will use you in the lives of other people. Here's the great principle tonight. The thing that God most blesses is faithfulness. You see, he had a name among men in Babylon that he was a a dream interpreter. Do you remember that? Everybody that knew Daniel said, oh, we know Daniel. That's a man of wisdom. That's a man with a great spirit. That's a man who can interpret dreams. That's a man who has understanding. But wait a minute. That was his reputation this way. That's, That's what men thought of him. But when God spoke of him, God says, this is the thing I know about him. Oh, I'm wondering now, what does the Lord know about me? What does the Lord know about you? You see, you are not what others think you are. You are what God knows you to be. And the Lord said of Daniel, I'll tell you the one thing about his life, he is faithful. By the way, this principle is found consistently all through Scripture. Did you know the first occasion where the word faithful is found in the whole Bible is in the book of Numbers, and it relates to Moses? And God says about Moses, he is faithful, get this expression, in all mine house. He didn't say he was faithful in his house. He said he's faithful in my house. In other words, God said Moses has, has it figured out that the house didn't belong to him. The house belongs to me, and that everything belongs to me, and so he's faithful what I've given him. That's a powerful principle. Then when you come to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, faithfulness is one of the characteristics of our great God. It's a part of his nature. Aren't aren't you glad our God is a faithful God? You may fail, but he never fails. You may forsake, but he never forsakes. You may forget, but he never forgets. Hallelujah for the faithful God. That's one of the characteristics of our God. When you come to the end of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ, one of the last references to faithfulness in Scripture is a reference to Jesus in Revelation chapter number 3 when the Bible says He is the faithful and the true witness. Let me tell you something about the God of the Bible. He is a faithful God, and those who follow Him are to be faithful. And as you are faithful, you will have the blessing of God upon you. So the Bible says in Proverbs, "Most Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find we live in a world where people want to brag on what they can accomplish and what they have accomplished but in the end God says the only thing that matters is not what you can do but it's what I can do with your life when you're faithful to me what is it Paul wrote to the church at Corinth he said moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found what church it's God's one requirement And so every person in this room that wants the blessing of God, I want to say to you tonight, there is but one way to do it, and that is to be faithful to the Lord in all things. With that in mind, go back with me to chapter 1 in the book of Daniel. Let's walk through this passage, and I want you to jot a few things down, would you please, about the faithfulness of every one of us to the Lord. We know about God's faithfulness to us, but what about our faithfulness to Him? The pattern is set in chapter 1, and it continues all through the book. Let's begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake in Ashpen as the master of his eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, it's so easy to read those three verses. It's just too easy. Do you understand what just happened to Daniel? His whole life got uprooted. His family's gone. His home is gone. His language is gone. his, His name's about to be changed. Everything that was familiar to Daniel in a moment is gone except for one thing. Oh, I love this thought. Look, please. His God was where he had always been. So here's the first principle. Would you write this down somewhere in the margin of your Bible? Pin this on your heart. Number one, I want you to know that faithfulness is not bound by geography or circumstance. Now, you can be faithful anywhere because God is faithful everywhere. I'm a traveler, you know, evangelist in different places every week. I wake up in hotel rooms many times and have to think to myself, what state am I in and what town am I in and you got to work at all that kind of thing and honestly, you can get a lonely sometimes on the road and sometimes, you know, you, you can struggle but one thing that has been a great help and blessing to me is this thought that, watch this please, my God is with me everywhere I go and he's the same everywhere. We live in a changing world, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I never get on an airplane by myself. I I never take a trip by myself. I never check into a hotel room by myself. I never show up in a place by myself. Why? Because my God is the faithful God, and he is not bound by geography, and he is not bound by circumstance. In fact, he's not bound by anything. My God will help me and enable me to be faithful wherever I am. And why is that important? Because I'm speaking to some people tonight who are going through something. And I have no idea what you're dealing with, but i tell you something I've discovered. Everybody's having a hard time with something. Everybody's got their stuff to deal with. Everybody's got their junk. And I want to say to you tonight that there is a God in heaven who is right where He's always been. Watch, please. Your finances may change. Your relationships may change. Your emotions may change. Your body's going to change. Your future may be uncertain. But I'm going to tell you one thing. God is faithful to you and He will enable you to be faithful wherever you are at this moment. Paul said, being confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. He is not only the The author, he is also the what? Finisher of our faith. And so the first great principle is this, that we can be faithful anywhere because God is faithful everywhere. Read on, look at verse number four. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science... And such is that ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Here's the description of these young men a description of Daniel, his his physical prowess, his mental acumen, his, his intellectual ability, all of these wonderful traits and characteristics. But don't miss this, don't miss this. God says that's not what's important about him. What's important about him is he was faithful. See, everybody doesn't have these gifts and these talents. Everybody's not the same. But there's one thing every one of us can be, and every last one of us can be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the second principle. Would you write it down? I want you to write down that faithfulness is greater than any other gift. We all have gifts. Maybe you feel like you got shortchanged, or maybe there's somebody that feels like they've got a lot of gifts. But let me tell you something about the Lord. Whether you feel like you have a little or a lot, I want you to know this. Whether you have great gifts that are applauded by men or gifts that may seem very quiet and behind the scenes, oh, praise God for this, you can be faithful with whatever God has given you. For nearly 20 years, I worked with college-age young people. And I watched lots of those young men and young women come in, and they were gifted. They were very gifted. They could sing. They could preach. They could play instruments. They could do lots of things. Some of them were athletic. Many of them very intelligent, they were, they were good reasoners, they had lots of gifts. But I saw many of those young people fall by the wayside along the way. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you can only lean on your talents so long. At some point, friend, the greatest thing you can do is just keep moving forward for the glory of God. William Carey, the great pioneer of... Modern missions on his deathbed said, when I'm dead and gone, we were talking about this last night, he said, when I'm dead and gone, I hope people remember one thing, I was a plodder. Everybody lift your head and look at me just a second. Do you know what the Christian life is? Let's review. Watch, please. This is the Christian life. Don't miss it. This is deep. You ready? It's always taking the next step. It's saying by the grace of God, I'm just going to keep moving forward. I'm not going to let anything detour me and stop me. And I'm not going to let anything substitute for simply being faithful to my God. Here's the third principle. Look at verse number 8 again. The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat or with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now look at verse number 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor. And tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Would you write this down? Faithfulness precedes favor. You want favor? You want God-given enabling and, and help? Watch please. The root is faithfulness. The fruit is favor. We live in a world today where everybody wants favor with men. Can I tell you how to get favor with men? Have favor with God. And when you have favor with God, God will give you the favor you need with men. The relationships, the great relationships in life, never start with other people. They always are Godward. Let me show you something. Back up, back up just a second. Look at verse number seven. See, this was what the people thought of them. Verse seven, unto whom the prince of the unions gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. In other words, they tried to change their identity. I love this. I love this. That was what people thought of them, but that's not the way God measures your life. Your identity, is not in your name your identity is in your faithfulness to Jesus Christ and I want to say to you if you'll take care of your faithfulness God will take care of your favor whatever it is you're dealing with whatever struggle and stress and strain look please keep your eyes on Jesus Christ stay faithful to God keep moving forward this is a day and age where people are not faithful to church. Now, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to the Sunday night crowd. But people are not faithful to church. The spectators are not participants. They, they don't want to be responsible and accountable. And so they pop in and they pop out. But I want to say to you, if you want the blessing of the Lord, you must be faithful to the Lord. People are not faithful to the reading of the Word of God. I taught somebody today uh, that said, I need to spend more time in the Word of God. Look, so much of what God has for us is in this book, and we're not even spending time in it. Are you faithful in prayer? Are you faithful in your giving? Are you faithful in your witnessing? I say to you again, the thing that God blesses most is one thing. It's faithfulness. Here's the next principle. Come down with me to verse number 12. It's powerful. Daniel's requested, of course, that they would be fed something different. Look at verse 12. He says to the man that's over him, prove thy servants. I beseech thee ten days. And let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. Now look at verse 15. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Would you write this down, please? Please write this down. Faithfulness is more strengthening and satisfying than anything in this world. There's nothing this world has to offer you that will bring greater strength or greater satisfaction than simply being faithful to your God. There's something about people who've been at it for a while and have been true to God. There's a beauty on them. I was speaking with our brother and sister back here before the service, and they didn't know what I was preaching on tonight. But I was so blessed by our conversation. I really was so blessed. A husband and wife who've been faithful to God, faithful to one another. 66 years of marriage, I think. That's pretty amazing. My wife and I got married Almost 23 years ago. We got married on Friday the 13th. That was the luckiest Friday the 13th of my life. You know what I want? If God lets us both live and Terry's is coming, I'd like to be faithful like that. I'm seeing people tonight who've been faithful to the work of the Lord. You've got a faithful pastor in this church. Aren't you grateful for the faithful shepherd God has given you? I'm in churches all over this country that would give anything to have the kind of faithful shepherd that God has given you in this place. Don't ever take that for granted. Look, there is no substitute for faithfulness. There are lots of people who are flash in the pan. They're firecracker Christians. They make a big spurt and then they sputter out. But I want you to know God blesses faithfulness. And I ask you again, do you want the blessing of God? Then here's the question. Will you determine today to be a faithful Christian? We're determined by the grace of God to be faithful unto death, to be faithful until you see Jesus Christ. Do you know what a revival is? Revival is a time of renewed dedication to God. I asked your pastor coming in tonight, I saw the sign, and he's put on it, renewed strength revival. And I said, tell me about that. And I loved his answer, and I love the emphasis because I'm telling you, we're living in a day and age where God's people have grown so weak and so weary and fainting along the journey. Look, and we're surrounded by Babylon, and we've got persecution on every hand and wickedness on every side. I'm going to tell you what we need. We need some of God's children who've been faithful for a while to say, by the grace of Almighty God, I'm going to rededicate myself to the Lord and say I'm going to be faithful all the way to the very end. I don't want to coast into glory, neutral, no, no, I want to cross the threshold of heaven, being faithful to God to the very end. And how, what did Daniel do? Well, let's do this. Hold your place in chapter 1 for a moment. Go to the last chapter of the book of Daniel. I've been reading, meditating in Daniel the last few days. I came to Daniel 12 this week. It's an amazing chapter, and I'm not going to preach it to you. You can read it on your own. It's a chapter that describes the tribulation, which, for the record, we won't be here for. Praise God. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus, not the Antichrist. But it describes the tribulation. And he uses this expression, the end. For example, in verse 4, the time of the end. In verse 6, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Verse 8, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Verse 9, these things are sealed to the time of the end. He said there's an end coming. And, of course, we know the end of the tribulation. The Lord Jesus comes and He puts down every enemy and He wins the victory. Praise God, we're on the winning side. But notice how the book ends. Look at verse 13. He says to Daniel, But go thy way till the end be. For thou should rest, he means here, speaking of death, thou should rest and stand in thy lot, At the end of the days, oh, don't miss this. In Daniel chapter number 1, here's a young Daniel, and he says, by the grace of God, I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to be faithful to the very end. I want to be true to God. And Daniel chapter 6, as an old man, guess what God says of him? He says, he was faithful. He was faithful all the way through the 70-year captivity. I don't know all the details of his time down there in Babylon, but I know one thing about him. It's the one thing God emphasizes. He was faithful the whole time he was there. But watch this. At the end of his life and the end of his prophecy, the Holy Spirit of God says to him, Daniel, go your way. In other words, keep living your life. Keep being faithful to the end. You're going to die, and then at the end of days, you're going to stand before the Lord. And I want to say to every man, every woman that's in this room tonight, you're going to stand before God. And the one thing that God will bless then is the same thing that God blesses now. The thing that God will reward then is the thing that God will bless now. What is it? It's one thing. It is faithfulness. I don't know about you. I sure would like to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. And I wonder, have you been faithful? July 27th, 1989, on a Thursday night, God called me to preach. Just before my 13th birthday. <laughs> I remember it well. An old-timey mountain preacher in the hills of West Virginia came and put his arm around me that night. And he said, so God's called you to preach? And I said, yes, sir. He got right in my face. He said, Wonderful. Get your first sermon together, you're going to preach next week in a cottage prayer meeting. And I remember I said, wait a minute, let's talk about this thing. He said to me, son, if you don't start serving God now, you probably never will. He was right. So I got my first sermon together. Of all things, pastor, I took a text on the Holy Spirit. I preached on the Holy Spirit my first sermon. What did I know about the Holy Spirit? Found an outline somewhere. Stood in a little cottage prayer meeting in Brother Miss Logan's house. He was dying of cancer. never forget that. The room was filled with lots of elderly saints from our church, lots of grandmas and grandpas. <laughs> they were there to encourage me. I gave my first sermon. It was pitiful, let me tell you. And when it was done, all those grandmas and grandpas came by and put their arms around me and hugged me, told me I was the next Billy Sunday and it was the greatest sermon they'd ever heard in their life. They lied to me, basically. That's what they did. They encouraged me. And I got started. I'm standing here tonight as a 43 year old man. And at this juncture on my journey, I'm thinking less about the starting block and more about the finish line. At this juncture, I'm not thinking simply about those early days. I'm, I'm grateful for faithful people who encouraged me. I'm grateful for a faithful God who never gave up on me. How many of you are grateful for that, too? But at this juncture on my journey, I'm looking at the finish line. And you know what I want more than anything? I really mean this. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me tonight. This is something God's been dealing with me about all week this week. I can't escape it. I can't get away from it. It is this, dear Lord, I want to be faithful to the end. I don't want to fail on the second half of the journey. Matter of fact, I've just changed my life verse. I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not, but I did. Acts 20, 24 now. Paul's words to the Ephesian elders, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. In a word, I want to be faithful. And I wonder, do you want that? My invitation tonight is going to be a little strange, frankly. Frankly. And it's going to be very specific. You know, sometimes we preachers give these general things where we say, if you'd like to come pray, come pray. That's not my invitation at all tonight. Now, I have a very definite invitation. Would you go back to chapter 1 with me for just a second? Because this is what I'm going to invite you to do. Daniel did something. Did you notice what he did? In verse 12, he said, prove thy servants, I have thee. How long, church? How long? Sorry, I didn't hear you. How long? Ten days verse 15 at the end of how many days 10 days you know what he did he had a 10 day test by the way you know what he proved in 10 days that God was faithful and that he would be faithful 10 days of faithfulness when you come to chapter 6 our text where he was faithful he's put to another test anybody remember that you remember how many days it was He was not supposed to pray in any name other than the king's name for how many days? Anybody remember? 30 days. I've often wondered why 30 days. Did you know habits are formed in 30 days? That whatever you do for 30 days, you typically, you keep doing. And whatever you give up for 30 days, guess what? You're probably not going back to it. I think the devil knew that, trying to get Daniel to stop praying. So he thought, if I can get him to stop praying for 30 days, he probably won't go back to it. I love this about Daniel. He couldn't stop praying for one day. Praise God for that kind of faithfulness. In chapter 1, there's a 10-day test. In chapter 6, there's a 30-day test. If you look at the whole book, there was a 70-year test. You want to know how to pass the 70-year test? Pass the short test. If a man can be faithful for 10 days to God, he can be faithful for 30. And if he can be faithful for 30, praise God, he can be faithful for a lifetime. See, the devil's convinced some believers, you know, that's too hard. You, you, you don't have time to do that. I mean, look, you've tried before and failed. I mean, you know, you're probably not spiritual enough. The preacher can do that. You can't. Oh, no, my friend. It's time for some of God's people to purpose in their heart again by the grace of Almighty God. I'm going to give these days to the Lord. I'm going to rededicate myself to being faithful to the faithful God. And watch this, please. Set in motion a life of faithfulness to the Lord. Because that is what God blesses most. My grandpa, on my dad's side, I never knew. He was an old-timey mountain preacher. He was, he was kind of rough around the edges. He didn't have any education, and he had very little couth, very little. Raw bone, leather lung, peel the paint off the walls. You ever hear somebody like that? He got up in the church one night, got carried away, and he said, Bless God, there's two things no church needs. That's a clock on the wall and a busy-bodied woman, and this church has got both of them. That wasn't a good thing to say at all. He didn't stay in that church very long either, let me tell you. But he knew the Lord. Just a country preacher, but he had God on him. He had an old-fashioned gospel tent. He'd take around, he'd set it up. And he'd preach for six or eight weeks. Some of you remember those days. And they'd have hundreds of people get saved. And then he'd start a church out of it. Pack that old tent up, move on, do it again somewhere else. I was just preaching at a church the other night. I did not know he had started that church. At the end of the meeting, a man way up in years came to me, tears in his eyes, and shook my hand. He said, son, he said, I knew your grandfather. I said, well, I didn't. He said, I only knew your grandfather. And this was why his tears were in his eyes. He said, your granddad led me to Jesus. And he said, he baptized me. He said, I was just a boy. He said, he took me out back of the church here. There was an old pond. He said, he baptized me. He said, I think he was practicing. He said, because he held me under a long time that night. Grandpa was just a country preacher. He died when he was 57. Started preaching when he was 13. I thought about that a lot. Funny, when I surrendered to preach as a 12 year, almost 13 year old boy, I did not know that's when my granddaddy had started preaching because I never knew him. I thought a lot about my life. What if 57 were my line? What if, what if God called time on me then and said, That's enough? And that's all the time I had to serve the Lord. Dear Lord, I'd like to be faithful. Grandpa died with three pennies in his pocket, <laughs> literally. That's all he had to his name. Three pennies. In his pocket. Somebody said, well, that's sad. Oh, no, 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 no. The psalmist said, the lions are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Let me tell you what grandpa left. He left what money can't buy and death can't take away. He left behind a testimony of faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And when I'm dead and gone and our children speak of their daddy, I could care less that they talk about all the places I went and preached or the people that I knew, what I would like is I'd like my girls, Morgan and Lauren, I'd like them to say to someone, I'm going to tell you something about my dad. He was a faithful Christian. I'd like my son to say, I'm going to tell you about my dad. He was faithful to God. He did what was right. He honored the Lord, knew how to pray. He was faithful. Because in the end, friends, this is the thing. God blesses most. Dear Father, I pray tonight that you will awaken in us a true desire to consecrate ourselves to the Lord and be faithful all our days. Help us.
0: If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible-preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit, And don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.